0: Hey, welcome to ELL 214. And before we get in with our guest, Dave Rubin, I want to tell you guys about another podcast you should check out, the Matthew Spasidi program. Matthew reached out to me, and I've become a fan of what he's doing because he wanted to spread the news about his financially focused podcast that also dovetails perfectly in to what we believe with libertarianism, with free markets. I'm sure he's got a lot to say about what's going on with GameStock and the GameStonks, because Matthew's background is actually in financial advice, financial. Planning, So he's coming at this from a real position of knowledge and know-how to help you find freedom and get your financial independence in order. So check him out anywhere you can hear podcasts, the Matthew Spositi program. That's S-P-O-S-I-T-I, Matthew Spositi program. All right, everybody, I am here with a special guest, a comedian, you all know, a podcaster, a talk show host, an entrepreneur who actually started Locals.com, of course, which many of you are familiar with, especially with uh, Tulsi the Gabbard flocking over there to uh, to apply her skills and her podcast wares. Uh, also an author of Don't Burn This Book, Mr. Dave Rubin. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land. It's good to be with you. I like that Tulsi the Gabbard. <laughs> it's kind of kind of catchy, you know. It's like Winnie the Pooh, but you know, more attractive, a little bit of a Cruella De streak. Yeah, <laughs>
1: is a Gabbard a thing? Is that a real word? We're gonna
0: make <laughs> it a thing.
1: We're gonna make We're it. Starting. It means. How about Gabbard basically means like semi uh, semi sane Democrat? Is that I like it possible?
0: I, I like it. it's better than Blue Dog, right? I mean, the Gabbard's catchier than a Blue Dog Democrat. I mean, who knows that you're getting with that kind of thing.
1: But yeah, nobody knows what a blue dog democrat means anymore. There pretty much aren't any. So I like that. We could start calling the few remaining post order sixty six decent Democrats gabbards. That works. I love it. I love I'll it. talk to Tulsi about that.
0: <laughs> and of course, if they decide to go the militia route, like, the, like some of the Trump supporters did, we could call them the uh, gabbards with scabbards, you know, <laughs> sword fighting, etc. Uh, well, you know, so on today's show, I wanted to talk to you. I mean, a lot has happened since I talked to your assistant and we uh, confirmed this, but kind of like a broad range of conversation. Obviously, we have to take into account the recent events with uh, the Game Stock slash Game Stonks and all that and really what I want to get to, though, because you did a great interview with Jordan Belfort, uh, of course, talking about Jimmy Kimmel and, and them basically carrying water for this being some sort of Russian insurgency movement, which is just madness. But my question is, are people seeing through that? And where do you fall considering what's been happening uh, with Stocks? you know, providing a perfect entry into showcasing kind of a red pilled moment for a lot of people do we see now the system is rigged? You know, do you think this is going to wake people up and where do you think we are after uh, 2020?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I'm glad we're starting there. You know, it's funny, the the interview that I posted with Jordan Belfort, uh, for the people that don't know him, he is the wolf of Wall Street. I mean, he is the guy that Leo DiCaprio played in the movie. <laughs> I had taped that the day before all of the stuff with GameStop happened. So I didn't get to Ask him about it. He's actually coming over for dinner on Thursday. I night, had no so we'll,
0: idea. I had no idea that was the case. I figured he, I was like, oh, what perfect timing! Yeah. I thought he came on because of that, because I mean, a lot of what he was talking about just played in perfectly with what was going on.
1: <laughs> no, I know it, it seemed like it was perfect timing, but it was actually the day before that all happened. But he's coming over on Thursday, and I'm thinking over dinner, we're going to do like a little a little video with a little booze, and and we'll get caught up because uh, he knows obviously all the ins and the outs and the trickery yeah. that the machine can do. And what happened here, of course, now to answer your question directly, is the people started doing tricks, right? The Mm -hmm. people started saying, "Okay, you guys are going to short sell these things, you hedge fund managers. You're going to make money off the destruction of these companies." And by the way, GameStop obviously, as a brick and mortar video game store, it's like they've had their day. I was I was assistant manager of electronics (laughs) boutique in Broadway Mall, Hicksville, Long Island, back in '99. So I used to, in effect, work for GameStop. Electronics boutique became GameStop. I I have a love of video games. But then when the people start coordinating on their own to do something kind of fun and throw in a couple bucks, I threw in 50 bucks, but, you know, literally thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or even millions of people basically inflating the stock price to screw over the hedge fund guys, uh, suddenly the system comes down crashing pretty hard. And we've got Jen Psaki, the uh, White House press secretary. The beloved Jen Psaki. Yeah, yeah, the beloved. She's going to circle back to you on that. <laughs> uh, you know, talking about how the SEC has to look into it and suddenly trading stops. And I have heard a little bit, though, and I think this will unfold a little bit more. At first, it really sounded like Robinhood was trying to screw the people by stopping the trade as if as if they got a call from yep. somebody at the SEC or one of the hedge funds or whatever. Now it sounds a bit more complicated as if they actually were running out of liquidity because there was so much happening once. I I don't know all the answers on all of that stuff. I I don't think anyone has all the answers on all that yet. But to directly answer your question, yes, I think people are seeing through the facade the way that so many of us over the last couple of years were were red-pilled to see through the media nonsense, red-pilled to see through the political establishment nonsense, The next version of it is the financial market. So it's like, didn't surprise me at all. Like the financial market is not where I spend most of my time thinking, you know, I'm a free market guy. And I love the idea that people can get involved and fight the system. Um, But it doesn't surprise me because we're in a time of what Ben Shapiro calls a disintegration. And for those of us that are free market people, we got to figure out ways to build better things into the future because a lot of the things that we have come accustomed to are collapsing?
0: Yeah, well, that actually is you know one of the things I wanted to work our way into, and uh, oh here we go, I got a little lag there, in my video. Hopefully you know, I'm still coming through to you. But um, yeah. one of the things I wanted to talk about too is you know talking about pills. And I'm going to call this pill popping with Dave Rubin. I figure that's uh, a catchy <laughs> enough title. There you but, go. But you know, hey, are you familiar with the white pill, black pill? You know, there's red pill, blue pill. So that's where I wanted to ask you because I haven't really heard you talk about this much. Is are you looking at this as a white pill kind of scenario where we're seeing The downfall, or not the downfall, but the cracks appear in the financial industries. We're seeing Fauci, and we're seeing all these governors flip flop on COVID. What's good is you know what's good for them to go out in restaurants and eat with their families. Famously, I live in LA as well. uh, Seeing the woman go out to yeah go out to eat after shutting these restaurants down. Do you look at this and you say? this is a chance for us to cut through and rebuild. You know, this collapsing is actually good for liberty, good for freedom. Or are you taking more of a Blackfield approach to what's going on now, watching censorship, watching authoritarianism uh, and seeing... I'm curious to see where you fall on that.
1: Yeah, I think you can argue it either way. And I think a little bit of it is sort of where your fear center is and, you know, how innovative you want to be. I'm guessing that most people that watch your show, listen to this podcast as more liberty-minded people, you know, part of what comes with being someone that cares about liberty, cares about freedom, believes in individual responsibility, is you should always be looking for opportunity to build something, to do something cool, to get into the competitive market, to come up with a new idea, to build a new business or new institution. So with all of the chaos, I can see why a lot of people would be blackpilled right now. And after what happened with the election. And everything else. I could see why a lot of people would be like, man, the system is rigged. The media is against us. The politicians are against us. The financial markets are against us. Like, I'm just checking out. I'm depressed. I I can't deal with it. And, you know, I'm going to smoke weed and watch porn all day. Like, I could see, I can honestly see that, that version. I really could see that. On the other hand, I think the white pilled version of it, which, which usually starts with the red pilled, is, is, is that once you see the world as it is, that it is this sort of imperfect mess. And by the way, you know, all these institutions that are now rotting, you know, it's not like they were all built intentionally to be bad. Things, yeah. things sort of got bad over time. Our educational institutions and our colleges were not always bad. It's, it's the last 20 years or so that they were really infected by wokeism. But like, does Harvard... Like, if you look at it this way, I hear a lot of people, a lot of my more liberal friends, whoever will still talk to me, they still talk to me about the importance of Harvard. And in my mind, it's like, no, Harvard at this point is irrelevant to the average person. Harvard has decided that they will allow wokeism in. They uh, rescinded their offer to Kyle Kashub, who was the the gun rights activist after the Parkland shooting, who was graduated first in his class and was an absolute all-star. And they put in that other kid, uh, David Hogg, who had lesser (laughs) grades and, but, but he's woke. So he fits Harvard also discriminates against Asian students. That is systemic racism. If you are Asian, it's harder to get into Harvard. I thought we're supposed to care about racism, but apparently not when it comes to Asian people who work hard and study Mm -hmm. and focus on family and have climbed the socioeconomic ladder properly. So I don't care if some of these institutions fail. That being said, you know, when, when a lot of things collapse at once, it can be a scary time for people. You know, we didn't, if you would have said to any of us a year ago today, did you anticipate that we'd basically be locked in our homes, the economy would be destroyed, all of this stuff would be exposed and everything else, people would say, you're nuts. Right. But that was, you know, that was a year ago. A year ago right now was still before COVID. I mean, it, it started all about 10 months ago with all the lockdowns and everything. So time moves by very fast. But I would say the white-pilled version, and it's, it's what keeps me going, is that when all hell's breaking loose, when it feels like things are crumbling, there's huge opportunity. I mean, Mm -hmm. there will be new businesses. People thought Enron was too big to fail. People thought Dell computers or Gateway 2000 or Kodak or any of the dinosaurs of the past, that these things will never collapse. Well, I actually believe Google will collapse eventually. It will, you know, David versus Goliath. It will, Google will become so big and it will, by the way, inject all of that woke nonsense, and they won't hire the best engineers. They'll hire engineers based on skin color and sexuality. And guess what? Some company, maybe it'll be Locals.com, where I don't hire based on skin color or sexuality. You know what I hire by? It's crazy. If, if you know how to do your job, and you've, and you've studied, and you work hard, and you seem like a good person, we hire you. I, I, I was going to say
0: drinking contest. I mean, drink, that's the way yeah. I've done all my hiring throughout my career. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, though. I mean, the point is, like, there, there are ways to hire people to build good things. There's ways to hire people to build bad things. And I think these things will have gone from too big to fail to too big to succeed. And uh, if we can accelerate that process, I guess that's all right.
0: I think you just hit on a key that I've been talking about on my show for quite some time, especially when it pertains to cancel culture and uh, an environment of wokeism. Is that I was actually rooting on, and I, I'm not a, a, a collapsitarian or a black pill guy necessarily, where I think it's all going to end. But I was telling people that you know the whole the cliched boiling frog when it comes to what is or isn't permissible in public discourse. You know, for jokes, for television content, for what you and I are talking about today, people are getting canceled. However. It was people that they could point to, like the Alex Joneses with this coordinated deplatforming and say, well, he was talking about Sandy Hook. He was an evil man. So, of course, you would check him off. But then what happens is that, of course, slowly over time, you expand and expand what that bubble is until people are getting canceled overall. But if it happens slowly enough, people don't realize it. So Pull I would say in. we need yeah, the acceleration of this so that you get people like Chris Pratt being canceled. I, I, you know, that's a nice guy, every everyday yeah. Joe, who happens to have hit it big, but a Christian, you know, and they attacked him for that. So I thought that that acceleration is actually the way to shake people out of their their modus of just kind of letting it happen and showcase, look, this thing is happening, it can happen to you, it can happen to anybody. So where do you fall on that? I mean, do you think people are getting to that point, especially when it comes to broader entertainment? I mean, you were a comedian. I've done, I've done some stand-up in my day uh, and I moved to LA to be a writer, but... You know where do you think we're standing right now?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, my friend Michael Malice, who I'm sure you know of, uh, he often talks about how conservatism is just liberalism at the speed limit. And I think that's really what your point is, that we can do all this slowly, right? We can just slowly keep collapsing, or maybe the acceleration would actually be better because it would be more obviously in front of us, as opposed to the frog who doesn't know he's boiling and then all these things kind of keep happening. And then a year goes by and you've been locked in your house for a year. And then they announce, oh, actually, we just need 100 more days. And then after 100 more days, they tell you, oh, you got to walk outside with, you know, a seven bubble layers. around your Same, head mass saran wrap. <laughs> yeah. And, and just more and more and more. That's a yeah. pretty good argument for like, oh, let's accelerate it so it happens. We know it happens. We still remember the past. And we can build now. One of the things that I say to, to my director or my producer often who are in their mid-20s is that you guys, I'm 44, not that old, but you know, um, I'm not in my 20s anymore, my, is that you guys are gonna be like the last adults to remember the old world. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if you're in your 20s now, you're gonna remember some semblance of the old world as a somewhat functional human being, as opposed to a 15-year-old that's you know, gonna only remember it through the context of being a kid. And, yeah. and I think the wisdom that existed in the old world should not just be thrown away. And the things that we care about it from the old world about hard work and individual rights and things like that, those are things that have to be preserved. But should we accelerate it? I, I don't know exactly what you would do to accelerate it other than yeah. be aware right now. Be aware right now of who is looking at the world in a new way, who's desperately trying to hold on who's doing some in-between version of that and, and figure out, you know, man, if you thought your whole career was going to be having to commute to the city, you know, my dad just retired at 71. He retired last year. He had, he had the same job at a, at a company in New York city. He was in sales, but basically commuted from Long Island to New York city, two hours a day, same train, five days a week, for, you know, roughly for like 35, 40 years, I actually did the math on it. I mean, two years of, of the man's life, God bless him. We're on that Long Island Railroad train to get to the job, to, to allow his family to live the way that, uh, that he wanted. I love him for it. I credit him for it. Um, but that's a very different world than someone that's getting into the workforce. Now will see. And, and you've got to map it out for you.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You talk about getting into the workforce right now, and also this younger generation. I've had some interesting experiences kind of seeing a different pushback. And maybe it's just the nature of rebellion, right? Because we've got these kids that are, you know, again, resisting Trump, which is hilarious when they elect Joe Biden, you know, who's the establishment shill. But I think you're seeing a, a younger <laughs> Joe generation. Joe Biden will save you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, go look to this doddering old fool. He'll come in and lift you up on his, put him on his shoulders. Yeah. But, I'm seeing some, some of my friends, and I have a, a one-year-old daughter, right? So I'm, I'm 41. Right? But yeah, 41. So I'm not that much younger than you. But I'm seeing some of these 15-year-olds, you know, 18-year-olds. They are really coming out of this, especially, I think, with the lockdowns. But they're coming out of it from a perspective of not trusting and not really listening to a lot of the traditional media. You know, so the gatekeepers of those truths are pretty much out of their sphere of relevancy. And it seems to me from talking to them like they know about Kamala Harris's police record. You know, they're not fans. They know about these lockdowns and they're very suspicious of what all, you know, the wokeism that everybody's adopting and these truths that are being put out there right now. I don't know if you have any experience talking to the, to the youngins, but I'd be curious to hear.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I get that. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I only did one public speaking event of all of 2020. Before my first, they, they my shut first, us down. <laughs> well, it was actually at the end. I did it right before Christmas. I did an event in Florida. but So my, oh, my first and last speaking event was, was literally the last week of the year, which was pretty depressing. But usually <laughs> when I get out there, I do, I do a ton of stuff at colleges. And, and it's like, if I even just say CNN, if I'm just up there and I say CNN, people start laughing. Like CNN is the punchline just in the last hour or so before I jumped on with you, there was a clip of CNN going viral where they, where they have a legal analyst on there talking about the the nonsensical Trump impeachment situation. Mm -hmm. And she says that the first amendment does not protect your right to lie. (laughs) That is completely untrue. First off, if that, if that was true, then we'd all be in jail because every one of us is a liar, right? So we've all lied. Everyone has lied in life. Okay. So first off it is just ridiculous, but also she says that up there, John King is the host. He must know that that's not true. Of course you can lie. Everyone lies, you know, everyone has lied, but she just says it. And then they just keep going with the segment. So CNN, if, if she's, telling you the truth that you're not allowed to lie by the First Amendment. Well, she just lied about it. And then I would assume CNN would be in some sort of hot water over the lie. But, you know, it's yeah. just all dribble. We're, all they have to do, I mean, I say this all the time, but all mainstream media had to do for these last couple of years was not be completely horrible. Mm. We, we would have accepted mostly horrible. Perhaps we'd accepted <laughs> That's it. That's par from the Perhaps, course, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Before the internet, we didn't know what we were accepting, right? So perhaps we would have accepted endless lies and nonsense had the internet not arrived. Then once the internet comes, it's not that everything that everyone on the internet is saying is true, obviously, but it allows you to see the narrative being built in real time. It allows you every time some nonsensical thing is said on CNN, which is exactly what happened, the views of this woman being taken down on Twitter by people like me will be more than the people that saw it on CNN in the first place. So, so that's the point. That's how we fight back. But by the way, that's why they would love to kick us all off these platforms because they ain't happy with the fact checking.
0: I think, yeah, exactly. The fact checking, And I think you bring up a good point about people going on the internet and then, I think that people are coming up with far better truth filters than they ever had before. And you know, you've got mainstream media, you know, fake news, of course, was not Trump. Trump came to own the phrase, but it was actually coined, I believe, by CNN when talking about these alternative news sources. So it's interesting to see people come up and I think they have to hone their bullshometers or bullshitometers (laughs) because you are constantly online exposed to memes and lies and jokes and ruses. And some of it's true and some of it's not. But I would say, arguably, people now are more fine tuned into what they're being sold and whether or not it has some ounce of fact to it or if it's just total garbage. And it just so happens, most of the garbage is coming from the mainstream established sources hey guys real quick I want to take a break to tell you about a no garbage institution that is zipix toothpicks zipix nicotine infused toothpicks you can find them at zipixtoothpicks.com they have been a long sponsor for the show now a couple of months now and I don't see any end in sight because they are offering a fantastic product that not only helps you to kind of curb those cravings for cigarettes or chew or vaping but also comes in eight awesome flavors to give you that little buzz and that hand to mouth feel without having to smoke a cigarette or take a hit of that vape pen. As I mentioned, I have a buddy who actually managed to stop vaping completely by using these. I myself like to use them if I'm doing a podcast, if I'm having a drink. Not only that, but I was hung (laughs) over. Imagine that. I was hung over this past weekend after breaking my fast of uh, not drinking and doing a dry January and I did not feel so great on Saturday morning this Saturday, but I popped some of the B12 energy and caffeine toothpicks they also have. And I'll tell you what, I was able to look my one-year-old baby in the face. (laughs) And isn't that what every father wants? To be not hungover enough to take care of his own child. So check those out using promo code LION. Get 10% off your first order. Go to Zippix, Z-I-P-P-I-X, toothpicks.com. I guarantee you will not regret it.
1: Yeah. Well, if to, to jump back a little bit earlier to your question about like college age kids and not trusting any of this stuff, I mean, that's kind of a beautiful thing, but it also, there is a danger there because if we cannot agree at some level, what the truth is, then what gives us some sort of national cohesion. And maybe what that really means is that, and, and this is a very libertarian idea that we will constantly have to turn inward, meaning turn more to your family, more to your local community um, more to where you know physically where you live to find some community sense making and that we just won't have any communal sense making at a mm-hmm. national level. I mean I don't sense that there is any communal sense making at the national level. It's, it's well, it simply doesn't exist. That's where I'm kind of white pilled in a way and that's
0: where interestingly enough the the whole Game stocks thing, the whole lo- looking at the establishment, you know, Elizabeth Warren saying that we need to crack down, because God forbid, champion of the people, Elizabeth
1: Warren does how dare she, you know, real how dare she try to take our side. <laughs> real progressive <laughs> yeah. hero. Immediately Wall Street's in trouble. And you, you, the yeah, mass. Regulate them, regulate
0: those bastards. Yeah, so I look to that though, and that's where I was talking about. you know, coming together and I was wondering if this is going to be that moment of red pilling, not, of course, on the left right spectrum, but red pilling as far as, you know, us versus them, government versus freedom spectrum. If this is something where we can all agree for once, because that's been so few and far between. We've actually been able to agree on something being good or bad, even something like the war in Yemen. You have people defending it. This is something that it seemed both sides unanimously looked at and went, this is some shit.
1: Well, that's the irony is that you're right. You had Ted Cruz and AOC agreeing on something, which there was a moment where it's like, okay, let's let's yeah. get to work, people. Maybe we're all seeing the BS at the same time. But then what did AOC do immediately <laughs> later, you know, a minute after? She's telling, yeah. you know, she's announcing to the world that Ted Cruz tried to have her killed, which of course is complete nonsense. So
0: I, I, I mean, think, Maybe she knows something we don't. Uh, you know, maybe Ted's yeah, outside the no, bushes. I don't AOC, know what he does at night. No,
1: AOC does not know something we don't. I assure you, she does not. Um, she's sort of like the worst type of- politician in that she's a it's ironic she's young and she's pretty and she gets social media but what she actually is is a vestige of the old game of the game where everyone that opposes you is evil and a white supremacist and a racist and now they're actually trying to kill you she's a vestige of something that doesn't work and and i think to the to the bring both sides together part well all right well then we've got a moment here because there's pretty much nobody on either side, except for really the the radical lefties. And it's hard to figure out how many of them there really are. Like, if you look on the right, like there's really no politicians that are that are universally loved. There was, yeah. there was Trump. So let's remove Trump for a second since he's been banned to the netherworld. <laughs> so if you were asked, if someone said to me, well, Dave, who do you like? I would tell you, you know, I basically like Ted Cruz. I basically like Rand Paul. Um, you know, there's probably a couple more like libertarian minded, but I don't I don't need these people. I, I don't believe right. that politics is everything. Um, on, the, on the left, I suppose there would be a lot of people who would say, I love AOC, I love Bernie, I love Ilhan Omar, whatever, because they, they see so much of their intrinsic human value tied into politics yeah. and politicians. But the, the broader point would be if you were to say to somebody, well, ha- name 10 politicians you like, nobody can do it. And that, that then shows you that the proof is there that, hey, Maybe in a new technology-driven world, we just don't need these people. Not mm-hmm. to say we don't need any government. I'm, I mean, I'm not an anarchist. I actually sort of intellectually am in a way, but like I, I'm also a realist, which is why I still, you know, believe that you have to have some government. It's just, it's just the best for forum. now. For now, you know, baby yeah, for, steps. Yeah, small <laughs> steps. Michael Mallet, small steps, right? But <laughs> right. but but in a tech in a technologically driven world, we have to rethink this and go. Well, wait a minute. Just because. This AOC was, you know, elected by a hundred thousand people in the Bronx or something. She shouldn't have anything to do with my life three thousand miles away, and we better really start understanding that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, this leads me into another question for you. You know, we had had on, on our podcast, we've been hosting a lot of debates, right? We had Dave Smith, uh, part of the problem, if you're familiar with him, yep, yep uh, and yep. former Senator Eric uh, Brakey on, and they had argued whether or not the future for liberty was best placed in the hands of the Libertarian Party or the GOP, i.e. trying to go the Ron Paul route, or to try to make the Libertarian Party respectable, redeemable, you know, a a trick in its own right, especially since they adopted wokeism and had an abysmal showing. So where do you come down on that?
1: I I love this topic. Um, I'd be happy to discuss it with with those guys, with you. You know, Look, I think there's a, there's a strategic version of this. There's like, sort of like a purist version of this. And then there's like just the reality version of this. So, so as far as a party, the Libertarian Party is just an absolute joke. They're just a joke. Look, I voted for Gary Johnson the first time around. I'd like to smoke pot with the guy. I've met him. He's a nice guy. But he was a terrible candidate. Joe Jorgensen was, was again, a perfectly nice woman. I had her on my show. She made the mistake of asking me at the end, are you going to vote for me? And I was like- I was like, no, there's too much at stake. Like, yeah, I like your ideas. But like if they wanted to really, you know, jolt the system, she was obviously not the candidate. It's like putting, putting a, a limited-
0: frozen milk popsicle up there and expecting people to get very excited. It's just not yeah, going to do
1: it. It ain't going to do it. And then on top of everything else, you know, they do nothing down ticket, basically. So it's like, you know, it's like you're just like an amateur show. Like, oh, every four years we find some marginal person to throw up there. And and then that's kind of it. So I would argue that the best thing you could do, and by the way, this is why I supported Trump, is that to me, it seems that the conservative movement has a pretty wide tent right now. I would say you've got sort of the libertarian wing that would be on the more center side that, you know, is more okay with some of the social stuff or the stuff that libertarians like. Gay marriage, nobody cares about that anymore, really. Um, You know, I'm personally pro-choice, begrudgingly so, but having some movement on that. Um, Then you have... Yeah. Then you have your more traditional religious conservatives, people that want to use the state a little bit more. You know, I've, I've argued this with Tucker Carlson many times I didn't want the government to regulate big tech. Maybe I, maybe I was wrong. I, I think there's many ways to skin a cat. You know, you had someone like Tucker wanting to regulate, even though that's generally not a conservative principle. The point is we're obviously on the same side of things. So I think just the realist version of this is you got to fight within the system as it exists for now I don't see any real way a Libertarian Party, like basically, look, if if me and every sort of relatively influential, liberty-minded person said, okay, we're supporting the Libertarian Party, let's say we did something extraordinary, like beyond imagination. We got them to 15%, crazy (laughs) bananas numbers. Well, what do you do? You ensure that the Democrats remain in power. That's just reality. So it's a sucky reality. And by the way, I'll just say one other thing, which is I get... Uh, the other position on this. I think Smith is was basically saying you got to take the party over, right? Right. That, yeah. Because that was that's the the passion,
0: it's the least resistance as opposed to trying to take over the GOP. That's correct.
1: So, so I, I, I'm sympathetic to that. I'd be happy to discuss it with him. Um, but I just sense that the pain point of what you'd be handing over for a couple of years would be too high. And, and again, this is the irony of the Trump thing. Trump did a lot of things that were very libertarian-minded. In that he didn't start wars, he cut regulation, he mm-hmm. lowered taxes, even the COVID stuff. You can argue whether he did the right thing or not, but he handed it back to the states. It's right. like
0: states' rightsism. Yeah, exactly. Better than a federal mandate.
1: We basically got as close to a libertarian president, certainly as there's been in our lifetime. Agree. So I think you, I think you work with that, but I, I could see it argued either way.
0: All right. Well, I know we're running out of time. I want to ask you one more question. We're here in Los Angeles. I don't know if you heard What the that, high hell
1: are you doing here, man? What are you doing?
0: What are you still doing here? I mean, come on. What are we either of us doing here? It's horrible. But the most recent <laughs> madness is, of course, you, I'm sure you heard about this. They allowed the restaurants to have outdoor dining 25% capacity. But now, right before Super Bowl Sunday, they said they're not allowed to have their televisions on on the patios. So what will you be doing for the soup bowl and dare you bring and watch television on your phone at an outdoor restaurant?
1: Little do they know, most (laughs) of us are walking around with these incredible devices that are in your pocket and can show you video and audio. It's rather remarkable. so I think we're going to have a couple people here for the Super Bowl, which I'm not even sure is that legal now or not. I'm not even sure. Nobody cares. I mean, we that, are governed As long as they don't by, use
0: your bathroom, right?
1: That's- uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are governed. Yeah, we just put a bucket outside. Look, we are governed by complete morons and idiots and hypocrites and buffoons from the top to bottom. Our, our governor here, Gavin Newsom, is, I would say, probably, he's probably the second worst. I actually think Andrew Cuomo what, might be worse and more dangerous in a certain yeah. regard. But I'm completely for the recall of Gavin Newsom. Eric Arcetti's just an idiot who will nail, you know, kneel uh, in June in the midst of the height of the pandemic without a mask on. He'll kneel in front of Black Lives Matter people, like <laughs> bowing to them as if they're the pharaoh. And uh, and then he'll also, you know, tell us that we have to cancel everything. We've got these ridiculous people like city supervisor Sheila Cool, who is the deciding vote three to two to close outdoor dining. And then she goes outdoor dining that very night. I mean, you know, the litany of ridiculous people we have. But my friend, the white pill of this is that I'm meeting an awful lot of people in L.A. who have absolutely had it. When I've gone to some of these rallies, the people that I meet there about opening up the city and opening up the state, these are not political people. These are Mm -hmm. not conservatives, but they've had it. They hate the Democrats. They hate Garcetti. They hate Newsom. They just want to live their lives. So that is the mass red pilling. And let's get this guy recalled and, and let's see what happens. Although in this banana state, we'll probably recall him and then and then vote in oh, Somebody so far even worse will come line. in. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, and that's that's something too. You always say, why are we both here? Yeah, you know, somebody's gotta fight for this damn city, right? So I guess it's you and I.
1: <laughs> listen, listen, I, I I know we're tight here, but I'll just tell you, I'll tell you one other thing. So I had you know Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire? Yeah. So I had. I don't him, know him Michael, personally, but I
0: know who you're talking yeah, about,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had him over for dinner with his wife. We're having a great time. This is a couple months ago, and we're talking about, you know, should we stay or go? Should we stay or go? And I'm going, listen, if we stay and fight, we have a chance. It's like, because because the truth is that if guys like you and I leave LA and say, okay, we can't live in California anymore, well, then the union is over. I mean, yeah, then we really do have a situation where the United States of America will no longer be united. That that's a very dangerous uh, position because I think we'd be in perpetual war with each other. But anyway, so Knowles and I, we drinking whiskey, we're getting nice. drunk, uh, <laughs> and uh, basically, we're like, "All right, we're staying. That's it." I wake up the next morning. I open up my phone. Daily Wire announces they're moving to Nashville. <laughs> Michael Knowles on his <laughs> way to Nashville. He didn't know. He didn't know. I guess. Oh, they really? He, I, I guess thought he was he just like, "That was the whiskey morning. talking, Dave." I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, well, look, I'm glad you're here. It's nice to know that there's a couple of other sane people here. And uh Without you know, we just got. Really, if we keep fighting, if we keep fighting, we can change things for the better. It's the it's the only way you can look at the world and not quote bananas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Dave, do you want to wrap up? Do you have any or I mean, obviously, Locals.com, the Rubin Report everywhere. Anything else you want to tell people about before you go?
1: I mean, Locals is where I'm spending most of my energy right now. I didn't just want to complain about big tech. I started a company called Locals.com. It's built within a completely libertarian mindset of how we should treat social media, that we should have small communities first. We build digital homes. We build homes for creators the way you would buy a house and then the house builder gets out of the way. That's what we do for you. We're a tech company, not a platform. We build you your house for your video, your audio, your community, your rules, your data. And then it has nothing to do with us. And if you break the laws in the United States, you got bigger problems than Dave Rubin. So locals.com and, and my locals is rubinreport.locals.com.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on ELL and uh, look forward to listening to you for many years in the future. Don't leave LA yet. And if you do, you know, let me know. So I know that uh, the last rats are
1: fleeing the ship. You don't, you don't <laughs> want to be the last guy in Dodge, you know, I'll, I'll send you a note.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks again for coming on. Talk soon. And there you have it, a classy gentleman in a good time, Dave Rubin on this year's show. Thank God, did not Schneider me. I'm still still trying to uh, to reach out and try to book Rob Schneider on the show. So fingers crossed. Uh, go harass him on Twitter, if you would. But um, yeah, Dave was great to talk to. Hopefully, I'll have him back on in the future. I think uh, the interview went well. And obviously, we uh, were simpatico in the way we view a lot of things. So uh, looking forward to that. And also, you know, I think Dave hinted that he might be interested in a Dave-on-Dave Dave battle royale in the lines of Liberty debate octagon. Sounded like it to me, folks, so we'll see. I don't want to promise anything, but uh, could be interesting to explore. Now, there's a couple of quick topics I want to get into. I don't want to just give you guys a half an hour show. I know you want the full hour. We probably won't get that, but there are a few stories that I wanted to go into before I wrapped up today and after my chat with Dave because some breaking news came out, and... Uh, Couple couple things caught my attention. Number one, just John Kerry admitting that this all this emphasis on climate change that's been going on, everything that's been happening with as far as regulating uh, all these businesses and making sure that we talk about carbon taxation and making sure that we reduce our carbon footprint uh, and on and on and on and on and on. Well, John Kerry admitted that zero emissions in the United States really wouldn't make a damn bit of difference when it comes to climate change. Yes, the climate czar, John Kerry, admitted this because he was talking uh, ahead of Biden signing a bunch of executive actions, and of course, some of which dovetail into the Green New Deal or what, whatever he's calling it, basically is the same as the Green New Deal that was pushed forward by uh, AOC and others. But they're talking about going into the Paris Accord, getting back into the the Paris Climate Agreements, and going farther, right? But the problem is, the United States is already pretty good when it comes to carbon emissions. It's other places. It's third world countries that haven't progressed as far as we have to be able to have the luxury of solar power and renewables and wind turbines and all these other things. So they still are very fossil fuel based, meaning we can punish our own citizens. We can tell them that they should walk everywhere. We can take away the lanes of traffic as they tried to do here in L.A. successfully in some places. Others, they got beaten back. But It's not going to make a damn bit of difference unless the rest of the world can catch up or they can stop and see some of their own, I don't know, contributions to the climate situation. Now, you know me, I'm not necessarily sold that things are as dire as they say. There's also arguments to be made that I've heard from several uh, professionals in the field of climatology and everything else saying that there is so much C2 already saturating our atmosphere, that it doesn't matter if any more even goes into it. So we might be having this whole CO2 parade of telling people not to use it anymore and capping it and taxing it and regulating it all for nothing, because at the end of the day, it's not going to make a difference. We've already got it in the air, and what we need is carbon capture technology. It really doesn't matter if you go outside and smoke a million cigarettes and a bunch of cows fart all day long, (laughs) it's not going to change things. But at least it was interesting to hear him admit the futility of what they are doing, yet it won't stop them from going down that path and doubling down on it. Another topic I want to touch on real quick. You know, Dave and I had talked about whether or not there were things that we could unite over. You know, the the great red-pilling of America, which I think clearly Wall Street falls into that category. But also, I do wonder if Black Lives Matter— which, as you know, ran rampant through the streets of many cities, just absolutely destroying people's lives, livelihoods, private properties, making life a living hell and leaving billions of dollars of damage in their wake. But Black Lives Matter has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize (laughs) for raising quote-unquote peaceful awareness of injustice. One can't help but think of the CNN reporter standing in front of a blazing warehouse fire and saying that the protests were mostly peaceful when this comes, uh, comes out. But the thing that I think about is that Black Lives Matter's popularity, it was something like 80% approved when it first came out. You know, when George Floyd, the video, the audio, everything had been released to the public, people were saying, okay, While I don't agree with everything going on here, I'm still outraged enough that I am going to go along with it. Okay, let's see where these protests are. Figuring they would be over in a day or two, right? Okay, there was a little violence, but people were angry. People were emotionally attached to this. It was a very, uh, you know, as far as we go, as far as videos are concerned, it was a moving and disturbing piece of footage. But then, as it kept going for weeks months, as it got more violent, as more videos came out of people that were innocents getting beaten by, you know, looters, by random street thugs. And when you saw the police doing absolutely nothing about it, when you saw Chaz and Chop take over city blocks and basically just keep those people in a state of terror until the police finally went in and broke it up, Well, the support for Black Lives Matter continued to tumble, right? From down from 80%, tumble down, 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 until something like 75% of the population actually had a negative connotation and a negative opinion of Black Lives Matter and the movement. While they may still agree that police brutality is an issue they saw the movement itself as being something that was violent and increasingly corrupt. As you now have Black Lives Matter, different uh, parties within the states and cities fighting each other, suing each other, where you have people stepping down and accusing embezzlement of happening on a lot of these places. And you also see the sellout leaders go walk away from the movement to go sign multi-million dollar deals with Warner Brothers. So you now have a far less positive sentiment towards BLM and people well aware of how much damage and violence took place. So it's interesting to see this No-Mill Peace Fries. no mel, No-Bell. Almost a like Carvel. Carvel? Try to do the chocolate whale. Uh, reminds me of my gifted... You know, like these exercises are Odyssey of the Mind, right? If anybody out there was a, a dork like me and uh, took part in Odyssey of the Mind where you had creative competitions by the Smartens in your school and you had one game in which you had word association. They'd say, name 50 things that start with uh, the letter G or that are green and you'd have to go off. Kind of like what happened there. Nobel Prize, Nobel Prize. I don't know. Cookie Puss. <laughs> Who can predict how the mind works? But anyway, people are seeing this. And I think a lot of people are going to see Black Lives Matter nominated for a peace prize and roll their eyes and laugh to themselves and say, this is just absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's probably become something that more of us can bond over and agree that this was a movement that got way too big and way too vicious way too quickly without any real repercussions or without the government doing the one thing you'd think they were supposed to do which is to protect you when people are burning down your buildings and hitting you with two-by-fours, beating up your grandpa because he dared to come and stop you from shattering the windows and stealing inventory from his store. I think a lot of people are going to be united more uh, more than you'd think. And then the last thing, our favorite, uh, I don't even know what you'd call her. She reminds me of like a mean old badger. You know, like if there was a cartoon badger, that was cast as a newscaster in a uh, a Disney ripoff, that's what Rachel Maddow would be. But our favorite angry Democratic honey badger, Rachel Maddow, has said that the GOP has become the party of, quote, fringe, violent, extremist criminal movement. Now, knowing what I just laid out for you with the Black Lives Matter movement, knowing that we have billions of dollars hundreds of lives lost or uh, people that were gravely injured and thousands more that were injured or had life-altering ramifications foisted upon them by the anger or just plain-out greed of looters and extremists. I would say extremist criminal movements associated with Black Lives Matter. One just has to shake their head and marvel. That Rachel Maddow says the GOP has become a party of fringe, violent extremists. I don't consider a bunch of yahoos taking selfies in the Capitol building, in one instance, a a sign of a fringe and violent party. I consider that, just like BLM, and I'd stated this before— Just like BLM, I consider them to be a bunch of people that were easily influenced by bad information that are probably not the smartest tools in the shed and went along with something that they clearly got wrapped up in and uh, and then just kind of got taken the moment. So there you go. Rachel Maddow, clearly unbiased in her opinion and analysis of the GOP and its current status. So that'll wrap it up, guys. Want to go through those real quick. Thanks for joining me, Brian McWilliams, here on Electric Liberty Land. I want to make a shout out to get you to check out our Patreon, guys. Go to patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty. I have the interview with Dave and I posted there ad-free. We also have a brand new conspiracy corner episode up. I'm working on the Next Degenerate Gamblers, wherein Do nothing, not degenerate gamblers. We do degenerate gamblers, though. (laughs) Although we're going to be wrapping it up for, and probably doing more sporadically after the Super Bowl. We're recording our Super Bowl show, the Super Bowl Especial, tomorrow, if you're in the gambling mood and want to listen to some crazy stories. But I'm working on Do Nothing Man, my libertarian superhero character. Uh, He will be taking on Robin Hood. So join the Patreon to hear how Do Nothing Man ventures into Sherwood Forest and uh, Game Stonks It Up versus Robin Hood, former hero, now villain. Uh, And on top of just overall, just joining our private group, it's a good time, guys. You can join for as little as $5 a month. And also, our 500th episode is coming up. We're going to be recording that next week. We will be giving out books from Mark Clare's Liberty Library to people that join up in our Patreon. And you can also comment live and watch along with that. So make sure to join for that. And as always, guys, Support libertarian endeavors that are not necessarily outwardly libertarian. I've said this before. It is absolutely vital that we elevate people trying to get out into mainstream culture and mass media. That's what we're doing with Bravo and Beer, our hilarious reality TV review show which you can find anywhere podcasts are. We do a live feed on our Facebook page, so go and join that, Bravo and Beer, and uh, support libertarian content creators trying to get out in the mainstream and uh, woo the world, guys. All right, that's it for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into liberty.